Thanks for tuning in to Chronically Risk, your podcast for navigating life with chronic illness. Hey guys, we have Brittany Gerken on today, and today we're going to be talking about her journey with chronic illness, um, how she got her diagnosis with POTS, and you know how she struggled with dysautonomia, and just kind of changing her lifestyle. So hi, Brittany, how are you? Hi, Riz, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, of course, of course. So, okay, so let's get into it. Like, tell us your story, how you got into the chronic illness community, like how things kind of started for you. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm 26 now. So a couple years ago, uh, probably like, oh, gosh, I'm bad at math. I think like six years ago, (laughs) um, I was at college, you know, just kind of living the normal college life. Um, It was my first semester, sophomore year. And um, one day I just randomly started throwing up everything that I ate. So I was like, okay, it's probably a stomach flu, whatever. Um, And then it just continued. So I really just couldn't keep any food in my system. Um, It ended up that I lost almost 30 pounds in a month. Um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a lot. So um, long story, but I was working as a nursing assistant in the labor and delivery unit at the time because I was going to school for nursing. So I would go home on the weekends and do like a 12-hour shift overnight in the hospital and then go back to school two hours away. So I was working one night and I was telling this doctor that I worked with about my symptoms. And then I had this really weird pattern on my stomach. So I showed it to her um, and she's like, okay, you need to go to the ER right now. So <laughs> like, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, this is not cool. You need to go to the ER and see what's going on. So I'm just thinking that they're overreacting or whatever. So I go down to the ER at the hospital I'm working at. Um, they run all kinds of tests and the first thing that they noticed was my heart rate was like 120 just laying there. They're like, hmm, that's not really normal, but okay. <laughs> so long story short, I, did, I had a bunch of tests done, and then uh, they couldn't find anything that it needed immediate surgery or immediate attention that night. So I went home um, for the night, and then the next day they sent me to a GI specialist. So this GI specialist comes in the room, and my mom and dad were with me, and he sits down and he says, so how long have you known you have intestinal malrotation? And my mom and dad and I just kind of looked at each other like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what are like, you wait, talking what? about? I have yeah. what? <laughs> my mom thought that he was in the wrong room. She's like, what kind of doctor is this? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns <laughs> out that he was right. I do have intestinal malrotation. Um, and that is basically your intestines are um, kind of like flipped and twisted. And it's congenital, so it actually happens while uh, the fetus is developing. So it happened while I was in my mom's stomach, and your intestines just malrotate. Oh so gosh. yeah, so normally this, uh, you know, once a baby's born with intestinal malrotation, they immediately have symptoms, and it's um, you know caught and corrected with surgery, usually within the first year of life. Um, 99.5% of the time or something like that, some crazy stat like that. Something well, insane. And you're like the one, like half percent. That's like Yes. Adult. Yeah. So I'm an adult with intestinal medication. They're like, um, I don't really know what to do with you. Like, this is very odd. So he sends me, I go to this, this surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic and this Cleveland Clinic doctor is like, okay, yes, I've had adults with, you know, with your case before we surgically corrected it, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, how many surgeries have you done 
and he was probably in his 50s or 60s, so he had been a surgeon for a long time, and he's like, I've done eight over my career because that's how rare it is. Oh, my and, gosh. <laughs> yeah, and it's the Cleveland Clinic, so, you know, it's a pretty big hospital. People usually go there yeah. and something's wrong. So that was a little um, nerve-wracking. So I had the surgery. Um, I had to withdraw from school that semester, unfortunately, because um, I had to get surgery pretty quickly since I was losing so much weight and very symptomatic. Yeah. So I had that surgery. It was open labs procedure. So they basically, uh, it was open laparotomy. They had to untwist my intestines and try to put them into the correct spot and cut out bands of scar tissue that had developed. So I was in the oh hospital for a week after that. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of recovered from that. It was a slow recovery, obviously, but I was feeling better. A couple months later, I had some more issues. Turns out my gallbladder twisted, so they had to take that out. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> You're like, okay, later. everything's just like twisty and turny in my body. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's so weird. Who did this happen to? Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, so I kept, like, going back to school and then having to withdraw in between because I would have to get these big surgeries. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of – it all started when my sophomore year of college. Uh, after I had my gallbladder out a few months later, um, I was in the hospital again, and they had to take out a fallopian tube, and I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So that started a whole fun journey. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. My sister has this, and she gets really bad. She just oh, has yeah. the worst time, and she's only, like, 17, and I'm like, I'm so sad. Oh. You know, she's, like, dying, and I'm just like, oh, my God, she can't go to school. She's, like, throwing up. She can't see. She's getting migraines. It's the whole thing. It's insane, and I have a friend, too, who actually, she uh, has PCOS, and mm-hmm. she actually, it was, like, a miracle. She got pregnant, and she's had two kids, and since then, she hasn't had any issues. Seriously? That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, she was, and we would talk about it all the time and she, you know, she'd just be like so upset. Like I, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever have children, blah, blah, blah. And then they Mm -hmm. unexpectedly got pregnant and then they ended up having a second baby soon after, like literally like their their kids are almost like, yeah, they're like almost (laughs) like a year apart, but. Oh, Irish twins. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, it's because her doctor was like, you know, everything went so well with the first pregnancy. I wouldn't, you know, if you want to have kids, I wouldn't wait and see if it comes back and you get all these issues. You know, right. like if you're if you're already okay now, like just do it. Have your kids now. So she yep. has two little ones and she's doing Aww. good. But, yeah, it's so crazy how things can happen. Like you don't even know. Like growing up the whole time, you just think everything's fine. And then one day they're like, oh, exactly. by the way, you have this like life-changing thing going on I and you have no it's idea. It's so crazy. Like it's so, so weird to think about how active and stuff I was in school. Like I did competitive cheerleading. I was literally at the cheer gym from like three o'clock till 10 o'clock every night, just, you know, tumbling and all that stuff. And now I can yeah. barely stand up without passing out. Like, oh my how gosh. How did you get here? It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, so, similar with me. So like I, mine started a bit earlier though. So I would say the first time I had, like, POTS symptoms was in junior high, and no one really knew. They were like, oh, it's probably just, like, around your period, your body freaks out, and, you know, all these hormonal changes. And so, of course, you were just like, okay, like, whatever you say, and just brushed it off. And then Mm -hmm. my freshman year of high school was when I started passing out, and it just kind of got worse. And, like, throughout – I think my junior year, I literally, like, didn't even go to school because I was just, like, dead. I remember just, like, laying in bed all day. I couldn't even get myself to the bathroom. Like, I was so dizzy and nauseous. And POTS is not (laughs) not 
fun. No, it's horrible. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I can't imagine what you went, I can't imagine going to high school with that. So I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I, that's horrible. Um, It was definitely, I feel like it was a sensitive time in your life too, where it's like, definitely you're in high school, you want to hang out with friends and do all these things. And I feel like I really had a hard time since I was in that age group of like, my friends not really understanding. Well, I didn't understand. You know what I mean? Like I didn't right. get my diagnosis till I was like 18. I think it was my senior year of high school. I finally, mm-hmm. finally got into the Mayo Clinic and got my POTS diagnosis. But through those four years, you know, it's like I'm going through this and no one knows what's going on. And my friends are like, oh, well, you're always sick. So we didn't invite you, you know. So it's, I feel yes. like it's such a hard thing that people struggle with. And I just like don't want people to feel alone, you know. I want people to hear this and be like, oh, my God, I'm not the only person that thinks like, I'm crazy and always sick and dying, you know. Yes, exactly. And that kind of what you just said about, you know, eventually friends stop inviting you. Because, of of course, when you first get sick, everybody cares and, you know, are sending flowers and, you know, calling to check in. And then as the years go on, everybody just is kind of like, okay, well, she's sick. So I don't, I'm not going to invite her. I mean, I don't want to say I've lost friends intentionally over it, but I've definitely drifted from people because, they think that you're bailing on them all the time, but it's like sometimes I literally cannot get out of that. And yeah, you know, it's so it's, hard. It's and people hard. Just, people who don't who don't know or who don't live with it or or are next to someone who lives with it, you know, they just don't yep. get it. And I I don't get it like until you get it. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's been so hard. I think that was one of the hardest things for me was just like other people don't. You can tell them, and they'll say, "Oh, okay. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Like we'll see you next right. time." And it's like. No, this is a lifelong thing. Like, exactly. we don't know. Like, yeah, sorry. Unfortunately, we're not going to get better soon. And I know. that's definitely <laughs> one of the hardest, you know, to come to terms with. Um, yeah, but so getting back, so you, you were diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic, you say? Yeah, so actually, they okay, weren't cool. even in our insurance network. And my mom, oh, my gosh, bless her heart. She, mm-hmm. I remember my mom when I was in high school being on the phone literally for hours a day, like, arguing oh with insurance gosh. companies like you know my daughter had the because I was still in pediatrics um, right. I wasn't 18 yet so I had seen after all these doctors all these tests I finally saw a really good and I don't even remember her name it was so long ago but mm-hmm. she was a pediatric neurologist and she goes you know this was back in well, mid 2000 like 2011 10 you know right. back then mm-hmm. and pos- still was a very rare kind of thing. People didn't talk right. about it that much. So I yeah. remember her coming into the office and, you know, she's like, this is what I think is going on. It's kind of a long shot. No one really knows the ins and outs, but she's like, I went to a conference and I read about this. I've been doing some research on it. And she's like, I really think this is what you're suffering from. There's only one doctor in Arizona here who really like knows about this and deals with it. And he's at Mayo Clinic. So my mom fought forever to get mm-hmm. me in there and they finally approved me for like five visits and that was it and so I oh remember going in and those every visit was like a day-long process because oh yeah like, we need to we need to cram all these tests in because you only have five visits you know and I think yeah. we still had to pay like a some premium or something but yeah it was mm-hmm. crazy so I just I just feel like the resources too are just so scarce and it's either exactly. you have to go through a bunch of doctors not believing you or you right. finally find one, but it's so hard to get into them or to get answers. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. So after all these days that I went through, um, I've always probably kind of had symptoms of POTS, like thinking back even to high school, I, 
my mom just discussing it today because I told her I was going to be on your podcast. And she was like, I remember <laughs> one time that you need that um, when I was in high school that I would get to sometimes and, um, you know, feel really lightheaded. So there was always like that that I could remember, but definitely not anything crazy like this until after all of these surgeries. So I was at a GI doctor because they wanted to endoscopy and I had mentioned to him that I had fainted a couple couple times and he's like, okay, yeah, you're not getting an endoscopy until you're a cardiologist. So yeah. she's a cardiologist and um, she is like my angel in this entire story. <laughs> it's like um, Dr. Tanya Tajori. So she actually, I was so lucky. So she's at University Hospital in Cleveland um, and he actually had done her fellowship in the pot clinic at Mayo. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, and I just had like happened <laughs> to get into her, my uh, urologist and was like, Oh, Hey, this doctor, you probably would like, so we just happened to get into her. So, you know, oh, she ran all the so tests awesome. and stuff. And she's like, the first time she saw me, she's like, I'm pretty sure you have pots, but you know, and I had, we had no idea what pots was. We we're like writing it down. Oh, I know. Yeah. It. We're like, what the <laughs> heck is pots? I've never heard of that. Um, and she's like, I'm going to run all these other tests to make sure there's not, you know, something else going on. And so she did, you know, the echo and, uh, I had to wear a heart monitor for 30 days and all of that. Um, and from all of the tests, (laughs) yes, the fun, the fun heart monitor. Um, so from all of those tests, you discovered, yes, it was past. So, um, and then along with past, you know, she discovered that I also had Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, you know, which is a common comorbidity with POTS, which I had also right. never heard heard of. But I and when ever since I was in elementary school, I would always get really bad growing pains in my knees and stuff. And my dad, mom would take me to the doctor, and they're like, "Oh, it's just growing pains." Blah blah blah. I would be bawling my eyes out because it hurt so bad. And I still oh, get that pain that today. So crazy. Yes. Yeah. So I was, and it's so funny because I was talking to my mom about this like not that long ago, and I had the same. So my my EDS diagnosis is like one of the more recent ones that I've had. I always have like okay. pops issues. And thinking back though, I had a time where when I was like eight years, eight or nine years old, I remember waking up one morning in such bad pain. And like mm-hmm. me and my sister shared a room and we had bunk beds and I was on the top, of course, because I'm the big sister and I had the cool bed, you know. And right. I'm like, I was like crying and like, I'm like, go get mom, go get mom. And so my sister, like, runs out there. My mom's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I can't move my legs, you know. And I'm, like, eight or nine. So I'm, like, I have no idea what's happening. And I right. remember going. My mom, like, rushed me to the pediatrician because she didn't want to take me to the emergency room. And she was like, yeah. listen, like, my daughter, her, she has so much information. Like, she can't move her legs. So they, like, rushed me in from the x-rays and MRI, like, all this stuff to see and I had all this inflammation and just pain. I remember being in so much pain. And they were like, at first the assistant or the nurse or lady, whoever, was like, are you sure? Like, did you try to have a nurse with Tylenol or whatever, Motrin? Or am I just be growing foods? And I'm like, no, I cannot walk. <laughs> right. It was so scary. And they just, and nothing came of it. I mean, they looked right. at, they were like, yep, you have inflammation, but we don't know what it's from. Maybe it's like, did you get a cold? Maybe you have a virus and it's just causing inflammation in your hips? We don't know. Oh so they literally like brushed it off. And I remember maybe like one or two more times growing up, I had that happen. And I just, you know, I was like, well, they didn't think it was anything. So I'm not going to think it's anything. And we'll just right. live with it. And just it happens exactly. time to time. And so yeah. thinking back and like when I talked to my neurologist who was the one who diagnosed me with Ehlers-Danlos, he's like, oh, no, that's like completely common. Like kids get 
issues and people yeah. just kind of look look over it and say, oh, well, you're just a kid. You don't know, you know. Yes. And it's, it's so sad. Terrible. Same thing. I would I would cry at night. I remember, no. and my mom would be like, so, and my dad would be like, stop crying. It's just growing pains. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I mean, I can't move my legs. And oh it's just God. so horrible. And then you think the back once so you get bad. Your, yes. Yeah, once you get your diagnosis and you're like, holy crap, that all makes sense. Like, yeah, what? like, holy like, life. How come no one told me before? <laughs> right. So that was not normal. Exactly. It's crazy. I just can't even believe that we're in 2020 and this is how everything goes in the medical stuff on so many levels. (laughs) Yeah. So you were super lucky. So you had a great path to your diagnosis, which is super, super rare. And I know you know that because I see, I know you have that picture on your Instagram. You're like diagnosed in less than five years. And I'm like, you go girl. Like, you know, know. you know who to go to because, oh my gosh, it's such a journey. Like it really is. I can't tell you in my like 25 years of life, how many doctors I've been to who have like given me bogus excuses for what I'm going through. Right. It's horrible. It's horrible that when you're in so much pain or you're having horrible symptoms of, you know, whatever it is, that it takes so many doctors for somebody to believe you or care enough to help you. Like, if it's some doctors, it seems like if it's not textbook this, then, you know, then I don't know what it is. And you're just going to have to live with it. And that's Mm -hmm. not okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. It's I had a, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I keep getting off track, but these stories are like, no, me too, but it's all, it. it's all things that people go through. And I know it's not yes. just me. Like I literally We're just went being to, real. yes, I went to a cardiologist one time. So I, mm-hmm. um, in college, I started working part-time at a golf course and uh-huh. one of the, one of the members sons was like going to school for cardiology, whatever. And his dad was a cardiologist, but he didn't like come out much. We never really saw him. So he's like, come see my dad, blah, 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 because I'm like, yeah, I have POTS, and, like, I, you know, right now I'm on, like, mitadrine and all these meds, and I'm still, like, so symptomatic, and I can't, like, get myself together. I can only work, like, maybe two days a week, and the rest of the time I'm, like, dead in my bed. So he, right. like, he's, like, reassuring me, like, oh, my dad's going to figure out what he can do, blah, blah, blah. He's the best guy in Arizona. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. So I go, I make this appointment, and his dad... <laughs> His dad literally looked at me and goes, I am so sorry. I never have seen someone with the issues that you have. And I'm going to just give you your copay back. So he gave me my money back and literally like sent me on my way. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like calling my mom and I'm like, is this a joke? Like, what just happened? I've never, ever in my life, like he felt so bad. He's like, went up to the reception office with me and was like, please give this poor girl her money back and like send her away. Like, thank thank you. I don't know. Right. Like, should I say, like, it was so crazy. Where he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do, but here's your money back. Like that's nice. I, yeah. I've never had a doctor was, do that. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but Hey, give me your hundred dollars on the way out. It's like, yeah, okay. I know. I literally was so just like, I kind of sat in my car when I got, and I was like, I don't know what just happened. Like, should I be like thankful that he was like, or should I be concerned that he's like, no one right. can help you? Yes. Oh my gosh. Only oh. with pots, I swear. I know. So you have you have a port. I have a port. What do you yes. you use? So do you get saline infusions? Is that what you get with yours? I do. Like, what kind yeah. of meds do you get? Yeah, so I um, just saline infusions um, four days a week from home. 
Um, I was going to the infusion center back, you know, obviously we were pretty conservative. Um, once I was diagnosed with POTS, we tried to be conservative with treatment at the beginning. That wasn't mm-hmm. working. I was getting worse and worse. So eventually um, my doctor suggested infusions. So I was going to the infusion center twice a week, but it was like 40 minutes from my house. So I would dri- drive 40 minutes there. Then I'm there for, you know, like three hours or whatever. And then drive 40 minutes home. And the whole thing was just exhausting. Well, the It infusions, is. It like takes up most of oh, your day because I used to do that really too. It really does. Yeah. yeah. So the infusion nurses like reached out to my doctor because it would take like five nurses six me at a time, which, you know, is because always the endless syndrome, which is why my mm-hmm. veins suck and everything kept flowing. <laughs> and finally, um, after one of my surgeries, I was in the hospital, my cardiologist, and she's like, um, yeah, I think it's time we put in a port. Lovely. Um, as much as that sucked, it really has given me my independence back. So um, I had home health come for a while and they eventually taught me how to do everything. So now I'm independent and access my own port and all that fun stuff. So I do four saline infusions from home a week. Um, I have to pre-medicate with Benadryl um, through, through my port as well. They're not, I haven't officially been diagnosed with mast cell yet, um, but there's lots, lots of indicators that I have it. So I was getting like this random rash on my face and my chest just mm-hmm. uh, occasionally when I would do the saline infusion. So they just thought it was better if I pre-medicate with Benadryl. Benadryl. Um, and yeah, that's also, so good. That yeah, they, it's, I, I'm like, maybe I should talk to my doctor about that because I kind of yeah. get that way too. They think they suspect yeah. I have mast cell as well. And I feel yeah. like after my infusions, it takes like a little while. I almost feel worse after my infusion. Mm-hmm. And then like the next day I'll start to feel better. Yeah. That's exactly how I was when I started. Really? Okay. The Benadryl Benadryl really has helped. And I can't say I do it every single time. Like, some days I'm kind of with the toddler now. It's really hard to take Benadryl if uh, my (laughs) husband's not home or whatever. So um, I don't do it every time. Sometimes I'll wait till after my infusion, um, you know, Mm -hmm. before bed or something to take it. Um, But for the most part, I try to stay on top of it because that's what they tell me to do. And then I also have a Zofran through my port, which is a lifesaver and pretty much oh, the only yes. reason that I could eat. So, yeah, uh, that helps with the POTS and the gastroparesis, too. So, lucky to have yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, yes. what do you I'm do? I'm like, through? any nausea meds, any, like, anything like that, yes. I'll take it. It's a exactly. I I talk about that all the time because even mm-hmm. the smell of food sometimes oh literally triggers me and I'm like, Thanks. I get a migraine or I'm like, I can't be in this room. I have to leave. <laughs> yes. I feel so bad sometimes because I'm like, I'm not trying to be rude, but this is making me really nauseous. And I feel like I people know. are like, oh, uh, okay. Like, let me just, <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. It's me. I'm like, it's just me. I'm going to go outside. Don't worry. Yeah. About it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my problem, not yours. No, I'm Yeah, I know. Way. And I feel so bad, too. Like, sometimes we'll be somewhere and, like, at a friend's house, and they're, like, cooking yeah. up, like, burgers. And I'm like, ugh, the smell of red meat. I'm like, ugh, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm like, not I got to right go. Now. Or I'll, like, yeah. put on my mask, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. It's Your burgers good. are just about to make me vomit. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> It's so sad. Uh, But yeah, yeah, so, okay, so I got my port about three years ago now, and I, same thing, I love it. It has given me so much more Mm -hmm. independence back, because I'm, I'm, like, in the same boat as you. Like, I was, so, it didn't matter. Even just my meds alone would not bring, like, my blood pressure up, and my heart rate was always crazy, and it's like, I didn't know what to do, and it actually took me, so, 
it took me a while to get my poor or to actually get IV infusion to start with okay. because my doctors were like, no way, that doesn't help you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, listen. So we found a lady who does um, like a mobile IV unit thing. And mm-hmm. so we did that for like, it's kind of expensive. I think it's like over $100 each time. And oh so gosh. I remember my mom being like, this is the only thing that helps you. And I'm like, I know, like I try and tell them. And even when yeah. I would go to the emergency rooms, real, real like tacky and just not doing well at all, they'd be like, oh, you're fine, just take your meds and go home. And I'm like, no, I need IVs. Really? And so, oh yeah, and it's so crazy. I don't know why out here they're, like, so against it. But finally, so we did, like, a little trial run with this lady. We were like, listen, like, this is what's going on. This helped her. Like, let's work out a little deal. So we did, like, three months of uh, weekly infusions, mm-hmm. and we started, like, keeping track of, like, my blood pressure, my heart rate, like, all this crap. And it was so annoying because I felt like I had to, like, prove my doctor wrong you know what I mean yeah 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 and so and I finally did and I'm like look you know my next appointment I like smack down this binder I'm like listen here like this this is what's going on like this is the only thing that will keep me upright and out of bed like I got to a point where I couldn't I couldn't work I couldn't even drive I remember driving driving to work and I had to pull off the road and I was like crying calling my sister like her my mom would have to come pick me up and it's just people don't understand just just no. how much simply saline can help, you know. Exactly. Maintain it's, it's your blood volume and yep. everything. So yeah, I know there's finally, a lot of oh, – sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I know there's a lot of, um, I guess – oh, boy, here comes my brain fog. I guess, like, disagreements <laughs> um, in the medical about, you know, if IV fluids, some doctors think that they don't work or – that, you know, it just goes right through you. So my original cardiologist, who I love, she ended up moving out of state. So then I had to go to this other guy. He was okay. But eventually he was like, I mean, they can't help you that much. You just eventually, like, pee it out or whatever. And at the same time, he's telling me that POTS is a maintaining a quality of life, you know, condition. Like, we, you just yeah. have to, you know, do what you can to maintain your quality of life to make it the best you can I'm like yeah. okay so you're telling me that I'm just peeing it out but I'm literally telling you same thing I was keeping track of um, my blood pressures because he asked me to and I'm like I'm proving to you how much these help me <laughs> yeah and you're telling me oh but you know you just pee it out I'm like okay well you're not in my you're body like, eventually <laughs> yes but, so yes but it helps like for you know it, help, it definitely does and that's what the biggest thing for me, like, it's been such a blessing to be able to get, so I went to the infusion center, I had infusions mm-hmm. for a while, and literally after, like, three months, they're like, we cannot poke your veins anymore, like, it's just yes. not working out, and so yeah. I talked to my neurologist, and he's like, well, we can get you a port if you want to continue doing this, if you feel like it helps, and I'm like, I, at first, I had a really hard time, I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, that's going to officially, like, put me into this like you're a sick person category and I feel like for so long I tried to fight that and, and yeah. live like such a normal life and so I feel like getting a port was kind of like a turning point for me where I was like okay well I mean I can either like sit here and be depressed about this sucks and blah 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 or I can turn it around and try and connect with people or you know reach out and not feel like I'm alone because I know maybe I don't know anyone who lives here or maybe mm-hmm. I don't have any, like, best friends who have thoughts and struggle. But I think um, just getting my port and then going through that process and, you know, joining some Facebook support, support groups and, uh, you know, creating my Instagram, I just found such, like, an understanding and welcoming community. And it was 
just, it really was what I needed because it's so hard to go through. Even, you know, my husband, we just got married in February and it's like, we were dating when, (laughs) thank you. We were dating (laughs) when I got my EDS diagnosis and it's like, it's just really hard to get these diagnoses and feel like it's going to be okay. You know, like we were dating. Oh, it's so hard. I remember crying like from the doctor's office and I'm like, you can leave me like I'm going to be a crippled old lady like that's just having this whole like pity party and I was like you don't want to be with me like I'm such a mess yeah. blah, blah blah and you know he's like no like I'm going to go with you to your next doctor's appointment like let's see what we can do and I just right. and he, and he gets it and he understands and my mom gets it and my sister well my sisters all have the same issues as I do my poor mom really? she has to deal with three of us yeah I know oh, no. I'm like girl you got your hands full with us but it's I just, they get it to a certain extent and they can comfort you and be there for you, but they don't truly, truly understand. And I feel like that's kind of where this chronic illness community came in for me and really kind of helped turn that depression and that anxiety around. Because it's like, okay, well, I can connect with these people, you know, like I saw your Instagram and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's having a baby. Like, how is she doing that with (laughs) pops? I don't know if I could ever do that. Like, Oh, and it's like I love to follow your journey I have so many friends that I've just gotten to know over social media and it's just so awesome that we have this you know platform to all kind of reach out and and feel like we're not alone exactly I feel the exact same way um you know I kind of exactly what you said you know when I got my court um you know my cardiologist said you know it's time I felt like very anxious and kind of upset about it because it's like for the first time your invisible illness is starting to become more visible to other people. Right. So I think that was the moment that it became very real to me and kind of like, okay, crap, I'm not actually not getting better. Um, And right when I got my port is when I started my blog about chronic illness and because I started writing for the mighty and all of that stuff, because I want to, other people to realize that they're not alone on their journey um, and realize that life might be a little bit different than what you imagined it to be, but it could still be amazing and, you know, obviously worth living. Um, And it's so good that we have this chronic illness community to lean on one one another and, you know, empathize with the other person is going through and truly get it because I have the best support system too. Just like you're saying, my husband is amazing. He's always, trying to figure out some new thing that we can try to improve my symptoms. <laughs> my parents yep. are meaning like I have the greatest support system, but it's so nice to actually talk, you know, to people like you who truly get it and realize like when you can't get out of bed one day, because you literally cannot get out of bed, you know? Yeah. It's that not just like, Oh, just... she's, she's playing hooky. She's laying in bed all day. Must yeah. be nice. And you're like, no, you're like, I no. actually had a lot of plans for the day, but it's yeah, right. we'll just yeah. reschedule our whole lives because our body yeah. doesn't want to function. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. I know. Oh, so I want to talk yeah. to you too, um, briefly about how your pregnancy journey was. I mean, I feel like yes. there's a lot of people, I, including myself who have mm-hmm. thoughts and all these other issues and we're like, should we have a baby? Should we not have a baby? Like, is this going to affect, like, what was your process? I mean, did you guys go yeah. and see like a genetic counselor or was it like mm-hmm. unexpected or, you know, just, I want to know kind of how that all came along. Yeah. So like I told you before, I have endometriosis and I also do have um, PCOS like your sister. So I was diagnosed PCOS when I was 16, but 
you know, they just put you on birth control and they're like, okay, here, deal with it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it. That's but, all we can do. Yeah, right. So the two things, um, you know, by when my husband and I started getting serious and we were dating, um, I think it was actually uh, right before we were engaged, um, I decided to go to a fertility specialist to kind of, you know, talk to her and we talked about, you know, what my chances were of getting pregnant naturally or are you going to need IVF or IUI or whatever. So we went to her and um, based on all of my issues, um, this is actually even before my past diagnosis, uh, she said, you know, you have a near 0% chance of getting pregnant naturally on your own. So that sucked. But she did say we probably had like a 60 to 80% chance of getting pregnant with IVF. Um, so we're like, okay, you know, it sucks that it probably won't happen naturally, but at least there's hope that one day I could get pregnant. So we yeah. started saving for IVF and all of that before our wedding even, because we knew in the long term that's what we were going to do. Um, so we get married, we got married in May of 2018. Um, we were living in Michigan at the time. And in June, we moved back to Cleveland by my family. Um, my husband uh, was transferred with this job. So we were closer to my doctors and all of that. So a month after we got married, uh, or actually two months after we got married, I found out that I was pregnant. And oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, You're like, what? what? I'm like, wait oh a my second. God. What? Um, yeah, so that was, and the, I didn't even know what to do. Like, I can't even tell you, I woke up one day and I just felt pregnant and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> I don't know. And my periods are all messed up because of endometriosis and PCOS. And so yeah. I have, I had no idea when my next period is, I would go like six months without it sometimes. So I had no idea. So I just, I can't even tell you, I just felt pregnant. So I went to the store, got a pregnancy test. And, like, I pee on it, and I'm thinking that, you know, it's going to be negative or whatever. As soon as I pee on it, two lines show up. I'm like, like, seriously? <laughs> You're like, wait, I'm, like, pregnant, pregnant. Hold on. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. So I start crying hysterically. Oh, my god! Because gosh. I'm so scared. Because I was on, um, at the time, I was on propranolol and, you know, all of those meds. That yeah. I wasn't sure, you know, if I was supposed to be off of them or what the deal was. Um, and I was really scared what would happen to the baby. Um, cause you know, your, my body has failed me so many times before can't even walk without fainting sometimes that how the heck is this going to grow a healthy baby? It was oh, crazy. I know. I, oh my yeah. gosh. I'd be so terrified. <laughs> it's so, it was so terrifying. So my husband came home and I like decided to go, he was at work and I decided to go run up to just like drug mart because that was five minutes from our house. And I got a, uh, this little onesie and I put my pregnancy test in the box and he came home and I was like, here, open this. And he opened it and he's like, what? You're pregnant? And I was like, I don't understand how I peed on like 10 sticks. They all say positive. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh my so God. It was a crazy journey. We were so happy, but so scared, both of us. I think he was most scared of like what was going to happen to me. Um, yeah. So luckily, we got a referral right away to a maternal fetal medi medicine um, doctor, specialist or mm -hmm. whatever. So high risk doctor. Um, and once again, she was one of my angels, like one of the best doctors I ever had. And she just like, Took no crap. She's like, okay, I am the quarterback of your medical team now. Like anything that's going to happen goes. And, you know, we went through all my meds uh, and all of that stuff. And she's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to have this baby. Like you're already, 
however many weeks I was. She's like, it's everything looks great. Everything's right on schedule. Oh my god! So, yes, it was crazy. So the first That's trimester, awesome. yeah, it was amazing. So the first trimester definitely sucked. I was sick constantly, throwing up. Um, but you know, I'm sick all the time anyway, so yeah, you're like, so what's new? (laughs) At least I'm getting a baby out of this time, whatever. Um, but once, yes, once I hit my second trimester, I felt amazing. Like best I felt, it was the craziest thing. I had like more energy. I wasn't throwing up all the time. I could actually eat without getting sick. It was insane. I was like, I just want to be pregnant all the time. (laughs) <laughs> so, which now my doctors say, yeah, that's actually kind of a, and I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but from what several of my doctors have said is a lot of people that have autoimmune issues actually do feel better when they're pregnant. Um, and my high-risk doctor said that she thinks that I felt better because I had more fluids in my body because your blood volume goes up when you're carrying a baby. Mm, and so that that's probably, sense. that's probably why I felt better. So I did still have, I definitely did not do for a week. I probably did like two a week in the second trimester. And then the third trimester, um, I started getting tired again and my heart rate was going up and all of that. So then I probably, that then I was on like modified bed rest kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my daughter ended up being IUGR, which is inner uterine growth restriction. So I had okay. actually. Uh, yeah, so I had extra appointments, extra ultrasounds, which obviously I didn't mind because I loved seeing her on yeah. you know, the little Aww. screen. It was amazing. But, um, yeah, so she was very, very tiny. She was in, like, less than first percentile when she was born. Oh so God. they, Yeah, so with all of my medical issues, with the EDS and everything, we were worried about, like, my hips dislocating during birth, like if I gave birth vaginally and all of that. Um, There's a lot of things that we are worried about, you know, my heart rate, my blood pressure, all of that. So my MFM and I decided that the best course was um, a C-section. So I did have a C-section scheduled at 37 weeks. Um, They took her early because of the IUGR um, Mm -hmm. because I guess uh, something with like the placenta, I don't know. She wasn't getting everything that she needed from the placenta pretty much. So they had to take her early. It was pretty much just safer for her to come out than for her to stay in. So we didn't want to take any chances on that. Um, Uh That was scary, but my MFM, I guess she didn't really make me as alarmed as I probably should have been. She was very calm about it. She's like, no, I'm monitoring her. And so like after I looked up IUDR and it was very scary. So I'm very grateful that. Don't go like Google searching. Oh my God. Sometimes I do that to myself and I go down this dark hole of WebMD and I'm like, I have all these girls. Yes. It's so weird. And then I'm like up all night. Like, oh my, I have to ask my doctor about this. I have to look at this. I have to get tested for this. And I'm just like. Oh my gosh, no, I need to step away. To put the no, thing down. I'm the same way. I totally <laughs> understand. Yeah, so they, um, so my C section, um, it's good. I mean, as, as far as like getting as good open, as it can I, go. <laughs> yeah, at least I get a baby out of it this time. As I said, after like 20 surgeries, I was happy that I got something out of this one. So there you go. Um, yeah, so they gave me, I guess, with um, POTS, thing that they worry about is since our blood pressure already drops really low with the epidural or the spinal anesthesia, whichever one they choose, uh, there's Mm -hmm. a tendency for your blood pressure to drop. So they 
gave me the spinal and it was okay at first. And then, you know, then they call my husband in and they start doing the C-section and everything. And there were a lot of people in the room. They had a lot of doctors for um, the baby because she was IUDR. They weren't sure if she's going to come out breathing okay. So they had, like, the NICU team in there ready to uh, go just in case. That's so scary. I'd be so it nervous. Was so scary. Just, like, knowing that all those people are just, like, waiting to go. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, Literally, I'm just, I'm just like, here. Just, yeah, my stomach is cut open. I'm just trying to act like, like, oh, my God, there's so much going on. And then I had an anesthesiologist and two nurse anesthetists. Um, because they were worried about me, like, losing conscious. So, you know, they take the baby out. Oh, my God, best moment of my life. It was amazing. (laughs) They, like, show her, you know, over the little blue curtain. I'm like, oh, my God, you have this, holy crap, that baby just came from inside of me. Like, you know you're growing a baby, but, like, You just made this little human, and you see it. It's real. Yeah. She came out crying, and... (laughs) You know, she has skin and hair. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just came out of me. It's crazy. So <laughs> she did perfectly. And, you know, the NICU team checked her out. And she's awesome. She did any NICU time at all. She was only, like, 4 pounds, uh, 11 ounces. So she was Aww. a tiny little peanut. Um, and then, you know, my husband went over by her after she was born. And, of course, he had to take a look to see all of my intestines, like, sprawled out everywhere whatever <laughs> you're like please like, don't you're like just don't, don't yeah do so this guy is like a two-time war veteran and he's like but it's completely different when you see your wife like inside oh my out god on the table. was he he's freaking like, out was he like oh my god <laughs> he was fine but it was so funny when he told me afterwards he was like I can't like I was kind of freaked out like I can't believe uh, I looked like why did you look oh my god oh my god he's, he's like, like I've I seen some shit but that way. was something else yes <laughs> when you're about to faint I was like oh yes I'm like yep, okay, everything's so just I, like going yep I look at the anesthesiologist I'm like I'm about to lose conscious he's like no you're fine and then he's like he takes my blood pressure he's like oh shit he learns that oh shit I'm like oh boy and <laughs> like oh please don't say that <laughs> yeah he's like okay they're like stay with you. you're fine you're fine and I'm like okay I'm trying and then luckily they already had all of I have no idea what the heck they pushed to my port but they had all of the meds already pulled out because they were expecting this to happen so they mm. pushed everything and they uh, got my blood pressure back up before I completely lost consciousness which was awesome oh so, my gosh that's so good yeah. I know you're so lucky you had such a good team that's yeah, like one of the biggest things like thing. I don't know I already have so many issues with like my hips and joints mm-hmm. and all that stuff that my doctor's like I really don't know if it'd be good for you to have a baby because, like, you might be mm-hmm. in a wheelchair after yeah. kind of thing. Like, and so right. I just, it's, we've been so back and forth, and it's just, like, such a scary thing. that I don't even know if I want to, like, go through with it. It's just such a struggle. I mean, I feel like everyone's just so different, you know. Like, yeah. my, um, my gynecologist, she has a couple patients and she's like, you guys are all different. She's like, you have the mm-hmm. same thing, but you're all different. She's like, I right. have one lady with EDS and POTS, and she, she like, is an all-star of being pregnant. Like, she will, she has, like, four kids, and she is thriving. And then I have oh another lady with EDS and POTS, and she, like, her hips dislocated. She has nerve mm-hmm. damage now. She has blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, oh, my God, like, and I'm like, knowing my luck, I'll be like wheelchair bound and like all this stuff. And I'm just That's so I'm scared. scared too. Like, I know. Oh my God. 
I'm like, well, if I want to have kids, like, I want to at least be, like, mobile, like, able to run yeah. around with them. And so I just – it's such a hard choice to make. And, like, so it I just is. turned 25 and we did house soon. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're, like, kind of in that stage where we're, like, talking about it. And I'm like, I don't know. But it's like, what are your – you know, like, it's just – you yeah. never know. And that's, like, the thing that scares me the most. Yeah. I mean, my – You can have, like, advice. every doctor, but you don't know. Right. <laughs> my biggest advice is, you know – Obviously, if you touch your gynecologist now, just like talk to her, and then um, maybe even before you get pregnant, find a good high risk doctor because you'll probably be high risk, and you need to find a good one that you can trust, who's like willing to n- not take any shit from any other doctor, and is like, no, I am in charge of this mom and this baby, and what I say goes. Um, yeah. And she took the lead on everything, so I had like a. Uh, urethral structure that I usually get surgery for every three months and so she took the lead on that and you know like talked to my urologist and was like yeah this is what we're going to do and then with the POTS she had me see another cardiologist who specializes actually in heart failure in pregnant women but she's like Mm -hmm. because your POTS is so extreme she's like I just want you to see her so we had her on call at all times you just need somebody that's like willing to you know, boss people around, I guess, and oh somebody God, that yeah. you can trust. Yeah, I'm like, when and I'm then, ready, I'll just call you, and I can get all your doctors. Just come out there and yeah. have a meeting. <laughs> yes, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. But I am so grateful for everybody that was on our medical team um, when having the baby. And you, you did ask. I don't think I answered if we saw a geneticist. So since we got pregnant right away and we weren't expecting to, we did not see one prior, but I did see one when I was about like 10 weeks along. Cause obviously mm-hmm. um, it, I was concerned that I could pass down Ellis Danlos and I mean, they don't know enough about past to say if it's hereditary or whatever, yet, yeah. but just, I, and the intestinal rotation that I was telling you about, I was worried about that. So we did see a geneticist and she, they're kind of like, Eh, you might, you might not. They <laughs> were not very helpful. So my daughter will be in the Ehlers-Danlos Clinic when she's five because they can't diagnose the hypermobility type yet. You maybe by then they'll identify a gene or whatever in the yeah. blood. Hopefully, but as, as of right now, they can't identify or they can't diagnose until um, the child's five. So she will be seen when she's five. Um, her pediatrician is aware of all of my conditions and so they're extra cautious when it comes to like stomach issues and whatever um they did send us to a pediatric cardiologist when i was pregnant and they did a um echo on the baby which is like crazy that i was pregnant only 15 weeks and they it was the tiniest little heart that you'd ever seen they said it was smaller than your female um, oh my but gosh, yeah, and that's they crazy out. how they can do that. Yeah. They just wanted to check to make sure she didn't have um, any form of like vascular EDS or anything like that. And she was good. Yeah. So they did take a lot of precautions. It's terrifying to have a child, regardless if you have all these sins or not. But I would say that it's definitely worth it. And, um, you know, I do feel like the C-section was the right route for me. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be people with EDS that will tell you no, because, you know, we're more prone to ruptures and bleeding and all of that which I totally get but between all of my doctors and I decided that was the right direction for me to go into since I do have frequent hip dislocations and whatnot we didn't want Mm -hmm. me to dislocate something during labor Um, yeah and I just I feel like that was the most controlled environment in my case so um 
Yeah. That's so awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'm yeah. so happy. I'm, like, so smiling. Yeah. I'm, like, oh, my gosh. I'm, like, I'm so yeah, happy for so you and this whole team of doctors. Aww. I just, like, want to give everyone, like, good job. Know, you did it. <laughs> yes. They were, they were my saviors. Yeah. So she's one and a half already. It was crazy. But she's oh the sweetest gosh. little thing. The light of our life. And, of course, already maybe next year. But now that's, like, a whole <laughs> another form of, like, anxiety. Are we going to oh be as God. lucky as we were the first time? And nobody know. really knows the answer. So That's so crazy. I guess we'll see. But regardless, we're very grateful that we were given one. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy <laughs> for you. Well, thank, thank you so much for sharing your story and all these oh. things with us. I mean, I feel like it's definitely – I mean, even, like, me and you relate on, such, like, so many oh my levels. Oh, so I just, much. I love talking yeah. to you. This is awesome. And I just feel like, you know, I just want to keep doing this and talking to people. And, you know, we have so many issues, and it's like I could talk forever about every everything and anything, you know. Yeah. But um, it's just crazy. <laughs> and I just appreciate you being on and giving this, giving us the time and sharing your story. And um, I'll tag you on Instagram, and everyone can go see you and see your baby girl. Oh, yeah. Say hi. Yes. Say hi. And everybody that's out there right now struggling, um, just know that you're not alone and don't ever stop advocating for yourself. And, you know, me and Riss will keep advocating for you with, (laughs) with our, you know, we have to join our voices together so we could all be heard. So, um, just know you're not alone and we get it. And thank you for having me, Riss. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. Thank you so (laughs) much. No, I appreciate it. All right, girl. Well, we will All right. talk soon, and I will keep up with you. Yes, sounds good. You take care, okay? Okay. Thanks. You All too. Right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.